thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. Hebrews 12, if you will. What is God saying and what's relevant for our life and what will empower us to move forward? When I look in my Bible, the reason we're to assemble ourselves together isn't just to be ministered to and have what we call needs met. It's actually to be stirred up in love and good works. The reason we gather is so that we stay in focus and in the race and in the vision of why God saved us and lives inside of us. And that's really why we gather, to stay stirred up in the truth. Amen? So, uh, if we're not careful, we've turned this thing into what God can do for us. And then we weigh our life, and then we're as encouraged as our life is working. Instead of as encouraged as He is, uh, as encouraged as He is in us and the reason He's in us. So what we've been talking about all weekend is that God sent His Son, not just to forgive us and take us to heaven, but to move back inside of us and put His nature in us, His wisdom in us, His love in us, so that when we live our life, we can actually make Him known and realized in people's lives. So God made man for His image. The image of God got lost when Adam sinned and got separated from God. Jesus came in our image, took on flesh, sinless, spotless, gave His life, died, rose from the dead, and now sits triumphant at the right hand of God, put His blood on the mercy seat. The reason He had to shed His blood, sin costs life, and it, it, it takes life to restore life. And it, 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 Without blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no... That's why God took animal skins and put them on Adam and Eve in the garden. And it cost those animals their life, and He was, he was redeeming sin. But really, we learn later in the Bible that that kind of blood and that kind of life and loss really doesn't take away sin, it just covers sin. But the blood of Jesus speaks better things. The blood of Jesus is amazing because he's innocent. His blood is spotless and holy and pure. And, and what he does is he judges us in righteousness. And even though we've been wrong, he believes he can make us right. And he believes he can put a new life in us and a new heart and a new way and a new will and a new wisdom. So this is a big deal to me. And, and being a Christian is called little Christ-like one. This is all about living a life, not believing a theology. And it's imperative that we endure. It's imperative we run this race. We're in a race. We're not just praying and hoping things go better for us. You just have to be very careful in your life. You don't get in this trap where you're a Christian for your own sake. You have to be a Christian for His sake. If you're a Christian for your own sake, every circumstance, every trial you ever encounter, everything that everybody does will get your full attention, full focus, decide your prayer life, and all you're praying is for things to calm down. And you're not even thinking of manifesting Christ in the middle of that thing. Are you with me? Yes. So I want to talk about something that's very, very serious to me. It's, it's very real. And, it, it, and I'm not saying that I'm hoping bad things on us. I'm saying we have to face the reality. Peter said, don't think it's strange when you're going through this stuff because your brothers all over the world are going through the same things. He doesn't want you to turn inward. He doesn't want you to take it personal. He doesn't want you to... Yeah? This little story was in my heart. I'm going to share it with you and then I'm going to go to that scripture, I think. Like, being a surrendered Christian is a win-win. I had a co-worker. When I, was, when I got saved, I worked with men for 15 years. I was 13 years just one of the guys. And then I got saved. 
So then they thought I was like a Martian. Like they got, they were like, you don't even swear anymore. And I'm like, did you realize you never catch me catching myself swearing? I said, or trying not to swear? Never even thought about it. I said, it's just not even in me. And they were like, huh. And they did it at lunch. So at lunch, I just preached the whole lunchtime. They started to learn not to ask me questions at lunch. And they saw my life change. And then I was there two and a half years, lived consistent, manifested Christ, went into full-time pastoring, left all that, that, that 15 years of seniority, my four weeks vacation, my Teamsters Union benefits and all that stuff I had, and went into the office pastoring. And my coworkers were like, this dude is totally gone. Like he's leaving all this to go pastor. A couple years later, I'm in a marketplace. I go in there every Saturday. On a Saturday, I'm in there every Saturday for a couple hours sitting in a booth. I'm not allowed to solicit. I can't use a word of knowledge. I can't say, sir, I feel like you've got this going on in your body. Can we talk? I'm not allowed to solicit one person. I just have to make my product, because it's a marketplace, available. And let the shoppers choose where they want to shop. So I just had a little sign. How can I pray with you? And I had a little parable. The sower sows the seed, right? The kingdom of God. It's the parable of parables. He said, unless you understand this one, how will you understand any of them? I put that on a little half sheet. I don't know what they were doing with them, but they took them by the hundreds. Because they were curious. People are funny. They're like cattle going through the market. 10,000 people went through there in a weekend. Yeah. A little bigger than your one traffic light little town. But... <laughs> They're going through like cattle, you know, they're elbow to elbow coming through. And because I had a sign, how can I pray with you? People get wigged out right away. Get oh, yeah. funny. Yep. They're not even looking in my direction. They don't want to make eye contact. So, but they're grabbing half sheets because they want to go down the hall when they're safe and find out what in the world's going on here. So I just said, how can I pray for you? It was, it was such a fun time. So I went in there for about two years, at least two years every Saturday. Every Saturday for about two years. To people that sounds like a sacrifice. See, it's more blessed to give than receive. Self-centeredness is a zero. There's a law, sowing and reaping. It's more blessed to give than receive. This co-worker comes by and he sees me sitting there. And he goes, what are you doing? Like you're just sitting here to pray for people? On a Saturday? I'm like, every Saturday. And he got talking to me, and he was a real analytical. He's a real analytical fella. I loved him. He's burly, boisterous. He'd love to embarrass you in a crowd. I just love the guy. I still do. I, I've, I've stopped by his house a couple times trying to catch him home. But just I don't go up and impose and knock. I just try to catch him home. I don't know that he's been home when I've been in his area. But I do try. I just want to say hi to him. But we got talking, and he's just astounded that I'm in there. And here's what he said to me. He said, Man, wonder if you do all this that you're doing and you live this way all these years. And when you finally end up dying, it turns out that none of what you would believe in is even true. And you've done all this for nothing. See how people think? Yeah. Done all this for nothing. You hear the self-centered phrase that is? In other words, everything we do is for me. And the only reason I'm involved is because what's in it for the kickback? And I looked at him and I said, did it for nothing. I said, friend, if I live this way the rest of my life and find out that Jesus isn't even real and there is no Jesus, I've lived full. 
People have been blessed, comforted, empowered in times of loss. Even if we were living a whim, they found peace. And I feel like I am the most blessed man that have ever lived. And I've lost nothing. But I said, let me flip the question. Wonder if you die and find out it was all true. And where is that? See, I'm not even talking hell. We all think hell. I'm talking about bankrupt. I'm talking about no heritage, no legacy, no treasure. Just empty living. Just expending your whole life on you. Picture a big white canvas just, just right now, right here. Pull it the whole way over and connect it on the wall. And all you got is a big white canvas. And call it your life. That's your journey. That's your life. It's a gift. It's from God. He's the author and giver of it. There's a time to be born. That's your life. That's your journey from beginning to end. You're one seed on that big white canvas. If that seed never dies and falls to the ground, at the end of your journey, all you have is one seed on the canvas. Even though you might have lived 80 years. You got one seed on the canvas. Because everything you did was for your sake. And there's nothing to multiply in that just to gain. But if that seed dies and falls to the ground, and the first law in your Bible, seed time and harvest time, each seed after its own kind. And that seed dies and falls to the ground. It'll spring up. And right here, you have a little oak tree. Just sprouts. How do you say, how do you say acorn in, in where I'm at in Ohio? Because people say all kinds of acorns, acorns, acorns. Okay, that's me. Yay. Okay. So you got this little acorn. It sprouted. Now you got an oak tree. That thing grows up. And all of a sudden, in every branch. Did you ever see an oak tree in its year? Yeah. What? I love it as a hunter, man. You got this year. I found me an oak tree in its year. I filled four tags in five days. I was having fun at that oak tree. Sorry if you don't hunt. I just love that those deer give their life for the gospel. So all these acorns fall to the ground. They're all over the ground. Squirrels are running them all over, burying them everywhere. Blue jays are fighting over them, flying, dropping them. There's just stuff going on with these seeds. And why is this happening? Because one seed, just one seed, died, fell to the ground, and sprung up, and reproduced after its own kind. Now you take all them seeds and you just picture what's happening. And now you got 80 years, you can't even fit the oaks on this canvas I just drew. You got forests of reproduction in oak trees that you can't even see past. Why? Because one seed, one seed, reproduced. I'm telling you, we're in a race. We're not here for His blessing. We're here for His life to be in us and flow through us. We're not just here for His protection. We're not just here for His provision. You be very careful that you don't fall into some American mentality that you're a Christian for your sake and that He's in position to make sure you're blessed, provided for, and protected. I have never seen anyone think that way. Live consistent and shine. I've seen them live up and down. And they're only doing as good as things are going in the moment. And they're always driven by life, not the giver of it. This man asked me that question. And I'm thinking, what in the world? It's more blessed to give than receive. Love doesn't seek its own. Love is satisfied in loving. People, countless people in the church even say, I love you. And it's not love. It's really, I need you, and we prove it. 
Because we don't know how to stay together. We fall out. We have tension. We have animosity. And we call it normal. And we're deceived. It's not normal. It's self-centeredness in action. And we say, I love you. And you're really saying, I love you for me. We think it's a compliment. I don't know what I'd do without you. I can't live without you. Nobody deserves that. He's the only one that deserves that. There's only one you can't live without. It's not a compliment. It's idolatry. But we live for that stuff. And sometimes we need to be needed. And all these things keep you out of the race that you're supposed to be in. Hardships come. Trouble come. People do you wrong. If people do you wrong and you become done wrong and that becomes your language, you've just been robbed. You've just been sculpted and molded and shaped by something outside of the potter's hands. And all of a sudden, life is your potter, not the giver of life. Look, I'm not being mean this morning. This is convicting. I can feel it sharp. I'm stirring you in love and good works. I'm saying we're on the earth for one reason, not multiple reasons. We're on the earth for one main reason is to manifest Him. We're on the earth to walk in love, to walk in the light as He is in the light. We're not here to pay homage to Him. We're not here to serve Him. We're not here to just pray over our food and now I lay me down to sleep. We are here to walk in love and live by the Spirit. Are you hearing me? I know you're hearing me because I'm mic'd up. But are you hearing me? Come on. Stirring you up. Let's not get lulled to sleep. There's a, there's a story in Matthew 25. It involves sheeps and goats. Now, I don't know if you ever looked at that story. But the only difference between the sheeps and the goats, it's not that one group prayed the sinner's prayer and the other group didn't. It's not that the one group attended church and the other group didn't. It's that the one group saw past themselves, saw the needs of others, and did whatever it took to reach them. Whether they were in prison, whether they were sick, whether they were naked, whether they were hungry, they saw their state and said, that's help. The other group didn't even see the people. <laughs> it had nothing to do with praying a sinner's prayer. It had to do with becoming something in your life. They said, when did we see you? He said, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you came. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you put clothes on me. And the sheep said, when did we see you in all these states? He said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Then he said to the goats, hey, when I was in prison, when I was sick, when I was hungry, when I was naked, you didn't even come. He said, when did we see you all that? He said, when you failed to do it to the least of these, you failed to do it to me. Amen. Do you understand that this is all about this? And there is no, don't you be deceived, there is no such thing as this without this. Amen. Completely unscriptural, completely religious, and completely deception. There's no one on the planet that has this that doesn't have this. Amen. I shared it with you yesterday. If you don't love, you don't know Him. It doesn't say if you don't love, you might not know Him. It says if you don't love, there might be other reasons. It says if you don't love, there's one reason. You don't know Him like you could. Which means I can't know Him and not be changed by Him. 
because he is amazing. So the whole goal, 1 Timothy 1.5, the whole goal of our instruction is love. It's the whole point. It's not making it to heaven when the bell rings. It's walking in love while you're on the earth. Amen. Watch. 1 John 4.17. This is how we know love's been perfected in us. We have boldness in the day of judgment. If you read your Bible, it's not a bold day. If you read your Bible, it's a day of fear, dread, trembling, darkness. People are freaking out because they're not ready to face Him. It doesn't say those people didn't go to church. See, I think we've got lulled to sleep with just praying a prayer to go to heaven. Instead of living a life that's redeemed. You know them by their fruits. Yeah? yeah. Let me do it this way. I, I know I was in the middle of that, but let's go to Hebrews. Here's because I'm thinking of time, and if I have to finish that, I'll finish that. Uh, I definitely will if I have to. Here's why I'm saying this, and here's why I'm intense about this. You're in a race. If your motive isn't pure and why you're running, you will never run. In fact, you'll never run, let alone finish. Church attendance isn't Christianity, Christ-likeness is. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You're supposed to be her, not attend her. So if you get tricked into growing weary and well-doing and you're finding your identity through how things are going and people are treating you, you're going to find you were way, way, way deceived. Yeah? The Bible, I don't know if you realize how much the Bible talks about hardship, trials, tribulations, and stuff not going the way we want it to. Perfect. I don't know if you know how much it talks about that. And somehow we got the idea that we're a Christian for Him to make sure that doesn't happen. And when it happens, we say, wonder what I did wrong. wonder what door I opened. wonder why God's letting the door. I wonder what He's trying to teach me. I wonder what... And we're in quandary and questions. When you have that many questions, you have no revelation. So you're in a rough place. See, this love thing is so real because it doesn't seek its own and it takes no account of the wrong done to it. Guys, we have done wrong to His purpose. We have done wrong to His motives. We have done wrong to His plan. Paul calls it godly sorrow, where we weep on behalf of how we have hindered what God's intended. Not because we feel bad, because we hurt in the godly sense of sorrow that, oh my goodness, we haven't been running in line with Him. We have hindered what He's desired. We have held back the plan of God. You get what I'm saying? So that end times thing, when I, when I said if I have to finish it, I'll, I'll finish it right here. <clears throat> the day of judgment isn't a great day in your Bible. 
It really isn't. Men are asking for rocks and trees to fall on them and kill them so they don't have to face the glory of who He is, but they're still gonna. See, there's no escaping the way we're living. It's all going to be revealed. So He said, we know love's been perfected in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Well, how is that even possible to have boldness? He's not talking arrogance, presumption, boldness. He says, because as He is, so are we in this world. Meaning right now. So what's He saying? When He comes, He sees who He is in us manifested. And we're one and we have boldness because we're living by Spirit. And we're walking in love. It's not because we were at church service. It's because we've loved one Another. Are you with me? So this endurance thing I want to talk about this morning. And show you how many times the Bible talks about this. It's not prophesying doom. It's saying if our motive isn't clear. We'll never get through the trials. If you have, you'll have enough facts Joseph in your life. If you don't have an understanding of why you're here. And why Christ is in you. Pastor you'll have enough facts in your life. Through your story to qualify discouragement. To qualify where you're at in your life. And all of a sudden you have a justification. For not manifesting him. Because you don't know what I've been through. Come on. If that's truth we're all done. Because then life speaks louder than truth. And truth really doesn't make you free. And all of a sudden, the thing that's happened to me is greater than the thing He did for me to transform me. See, the whole goal of the Gospel is taking the old motive out of your life and putting the new motive in your life. The old reason for being, the old thing out and the new thing in. Unfortunately, we haven't taught this a lot. We've just preached a self-serving Gospel that blesses me and hopefully takes me to heaven when I die. Not... A gospel that gives me a brand new life while I live. How else do you seek first the kingdom of God? How else do you walk in the light as He's in the light? How else do you follow Him? Instead of just pray to Him when we're overwhelmed. There's so much in your Bible. We are going to make it to Hebrews. We will. Watch this. Romans 5 says you now have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ being justified by faith. It's verse 1. Watch this. Having access now into this grace in which we stand in the hope of the glory of God. Sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ being justified by faith and access into His empowerment hoping for the glory of God. And not only that, we glory in our tribulation. I mean, Paul is shifting gears, baby. He's ramping up. You have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, you have access into His grace in which we stand. And not only that, you glory when all hell breaks loose. Why? Because tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance births character. And character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God is in your heart shed abroad by the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? He ain't stopping the trials. Why? Let them come 
Because they're the tool that perfects, forms, and validates your faith and perfects you into the thing that He paid for. Why? 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 Because it reveals it's not about you and how you feel and what you're going through and what they said and what they didn't say. Your life is evident of what He's done and what He said. And now you're a living expression and product of that finished work. Are you with me? That's why you never grow weary in well-doing. Because one day, that sheep and goat thing is very real. And you're going to find that all it is in the end, it's not to fill out, a, you're not going to fill out a resume and how many kingdoms you built, how many people you led to the Lord, how many, no, no, no. You're going to find there's two seas of people on the earth in the end. People that believed and by the life they live revealed they didn't believe. It's not going to be people that went to church and didn't go to church. That's what we think. We're being tricked. It's people that believed and people that didn't believe. Because you can say you believe and your life reveals that you have just have a confession. It doesn't say you know them by their confession. You know them by their fruit, by the life they live. So your life lived reveals the thing you understand in the faith that's in your heart. So if you're just living in anger, you're just living in unforgiveness, you're just living in bitterness, you have judgment, you live high-minded, you talk down on people. For some reason you get the idea that you're better than someone. That's all evidence that you don't know Him. It doesn't say you don't go to church, it doesn't say you're not an elder, it doesn't say that you're not a pastor. But if you don't love, you're missing the whole point. And if we don't endure... We'll never finish the race. In fact, I'll be bold with it. You'll probably never even start running. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ being justified by faith. We have access into this grace in which we now stand. And not only that, we glory in our tribulation. I've pastored for a long time. I don't see that as a normal response in Christians. When things go wrong, they gray out. When things go wrong, they ask for prayer. When things go wrong, their countenance drops. And they internalize the problem and become evidence and expression of what they're going through, not what he went through. Amen. Could you picture Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives? Do you mind if I sit up here, brother? I'll, yeah, I won't put my feet on your altar. Could you picture Jesus in your Bible waking up on the Mount of Olives? Or sitting there just praying all night and he's just sitting on a rock bummed out. And Peter comes over and slips his arm around him and says, Hey, what's going on, Lord? You don't look good. Look, Peter, I don't need a sermon from you, okay? Listen, you don't even understand the shoes I'm in. You don't know what's on my plate. And I really honestly, today, Peter, just please cut me a break. I don't need you preaching to me. That's how we talk to each other when we're not doing good. We think everybody's nagging us. Yeah? We say that stuff to our spouses. Hey, I don't need a lecture from you. Oh, we say that stuff. So he's sitting there and Peter puts his arm around him. Lord, what's going on? Well, you don't understand, Peter. Every day I'm trying to do good. I'm feeding the hungry. I'm healing their sick. I mean, just think of the miracles you've seen in the last three weeks. 
Remember we multiplied that food? Yeah, I know, it was awesome. But they don't care about what I'm saying. They just want another meal. They came the whole way across and found me. Why? Because they wanted to eat again. Not because they care what I'm saying. I'm just fed up, Peter. I've had enough. Like, I hear their thoughts. God lets me hear their thoughts. Their thoughts aren't cool. They're hard to handle. And everybody feels like they're against me. And I'm not going out there today. I'm not facing them. Oh, Lord, you can't. Don't, oh, Lord, me. I've had enough and I'm done with this. I need a break. You go out if you want, but I'm hanging back. Come on. It sounds ridiculous because it's Jesus. But why is it ridiculous when it's us? Why is it so justified when it's us? Why does that story work for our lives, but it's silly for His? Because we've so separated ourselves from who He is. And He said, I made you like me and you're supposed to follow me. And as I am, so are you in this world. And the things I do, you'll do if you believe because I'm the firstborn among many. Yes. Amen. Yes. It's just something when you put a story like that in Jesus' mouth and how ridiculous it sounds to us because we've painted Him to be a certain way. So He's supposed to be a certain way. But then when we're in the story, it's totally acceptable because we all understand how we all feel. But what about what we all believe? Are you with me? Come on, this isn't mean. This isn't intense. It's my last crack at you. I'm going for it. I'm trying to cut your heart out, circumcise it, and put it all back in in one service. <laughs> we can laugh our way through surgery. It's not a heavy... It's a life meeting. This isn't a correction. It's an exhortation to stir you on, to get you thinking clear, just so you might not think this other way. That's what church is all about, stirring the pot, keeping us all on page, all on point, loving good works. Yeah, you're, you sure stepped on my toes. I'm not even thinking of stepping on anybody's toes. Stop, get your toes out of the way. Get your heart in the way. I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. I'm not here to correct you. I didn't drive all this way to correct you. I came to cheer you on and say this is what he paid for. If you bought a product and it didn't do what you paid for it to do, you would take it back. Thank God he doesn't do returns. How many Christians have you met that are truly discouraged? How many Christians have you met talked about the biggest trouble they're going through and keep me in prayer and told you about the bad things somebody did and actually had a bad view of another brother? How many Christians have you met in your life that weren't encouraged and were caught up in the story of life? It's actually hard to ask people how they're doing because they will tell you. And they will tell you their two biggest challenges and they will say, keep me in prayer. And it's a giveaway that we don't understand why mercy woke us up today. We did not wake up to survive. We should have woke up to shine. Yeah? And if somebody punches me in the mouth, it's not the story of my day. I have another cheek, remember? Come on! What's James say? Count it all when you go through so he's trying to let us know guys stuff's coming to test you there's things that are going to happen don't make your whole prayer life praying for glassy seas because you're going to get deceived because when the seas get rough you're going to think something's wrong with your prayer life you'll wonder why God isn't answering your prayer it's not a valid prayer it's a self-centered prayer you want an easy ride come on 
Number one prayer concerning healing and sickness. You know what the number one prayer I found is? Hey, I'm going to the doctor. Pray I get a good report. You know why we pray that? Because the report will determine my response. And I will wear as an identity whatever I'm told. And then I begin to pray from the place that I believe I am. And I'm no longer a son. I'm in trouble. I'm not talking denial. I'm not talking about ignoring situations, symptoms. I'm saying you never put on the identity of what you're told. If it's not Him. I got scripture for it. Who shall believe our report? You got 12 spies going in the land. 10 of them give a bad report. Two young whippersnappers. Just young whippersnappers. Who do they think they are? We've been doing this our whole lives. And you know what they were going to do? Kill the boys for a good report. Kill them. They wanted to stone them for a good report. They said the land's full of giants. There's no way we'll take it. And the two whippersnappers. What are you talking about? There's millions of people. They'd send in 12 spies and two of them come out with a good report. And when they give the good report, they say, you guys are living in la-la land. You're going to get us all killed. And guess what God did? Left that whole generation die without ever seeing the promise. And let those two whippersnappers lead the young folks into the place He promised. <laughs> he did something. Because they said, who's going to believe our report? Hey, yeah, there's giants. But the land's plentiful. The grapes are like the size of a person. Like one grape. Like, it's ridiculous. And the whole thing is bigger than... It'll take two of us to carry one thing of grapes out of there. I mean, it was blessed land. And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course they're big people. In it, but didn't God promise this land? Isn't He on our side? Isn't He the Lord? What are you guys fearing? Let's just go in. Surely the land is ours. Well, brother, you know, we got to use wisdom here. Slow down. These stories are all through your Bible for a reason so that in 2023 you're not tricked into living the way they did. And feeling spiritual. Count it all joy when you're faced with various trials and troubles. Why? Because these kind of things will perfect you in persevering and make you mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. That's amazing Scripture. He's letting trials. He's not stopping them. I had so many things happen in my life. So many things. And all along the way, I get this picture of the Lord sitting looking down at me going, so what are you going to do? Most of the time, we just call for prayer. Be real with me. I'm not being mean. I'm being real. Most of the time, we just call for prayer. We want prayer for every bump, bruise, feeling, situation, trial. Somebody treats us wrong, pray. Boss isn't acting right. Can you just pray for my boss? He's not acting right. How about if you just shine in front of him? How about if you just cover a multitude of sin with love and let mercy triumph over judgment? How about if you just go to the job and do double and do it under the Lord and send a message to your boss that he has no influence over you except to make a draw on Christ in you? You don't need a new job and he don't need to change. You live Christ. And maybe through that, he will be inspired to change. Yeah? Because if all you need is a new job, somebody there is not going to fit your desire. If four jobs in, now you're dreading that you even have to work because people are jerks and how do you hang around people? People do it with churches. There are three churches in and now they don't even go to church. Because you know Christians. And all of a sudden they become a product. A very expression of the very thing they're despising. See, it says judgment is without mercy. 
And when there's no mercy given, there's no mercy received. What it means is the thing you judge is the very thing you become. People cut off people in their life. They get angry. They stereotype people. Somebody crosses a line and then when they see their face and remember them, all they see is what they crossed. And 15 years can go by and it's still a reality to them. And they haven't talked to them for 15 years, but if they hear their name, all they remember is what they did wrong. You better be glad that isn't Father God. Are you with me? We're not created for yourself. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you have to deny yourself. We preached it all weekend. Watch. You were never made for yourself. You were made for His image. The goal of our instruction is love. Love doesn't seek its own. The only way to love is to know Him. Eternal life. This is eternal life. It's not a prayer that takes you to heaven. Eternal life is knowing Him. What did Jesus pay for? Just to forgive your sins and take you to a physical place called heaven? Or a restoring of a relationship with the eternal one where you and Him are one? That's what He paid for. In that place, you deny yourself. You pick up your... What's that mean? That means you never let sin against you give the right to produce sin in you. You never repay evil for evil. You overcome evil with good. You tone down a harsh word with a kind word. And if they strike you in the cheek, you have another cheek. If they take your cloak, give them your shirt too. If they ask you to go a mile, go an extra. Come on, this is all the word of the Lord. Yeah? So yeah, it's a good phrase. You can say we're worshiping ourselves or are we worshiping God. The way you worship God is with your life. It's not just with the honor of God of worship through a song, right? Because I understand there's a difference between singing a song and worshiping in a song. Totally agree. But the highest form of worship is your life lived in the will of God. It's a life surrendered. Yeah? Worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. Yeah. So the reason... People are living that way is because it's self-centered. But watch the paradox. So they haven't seen Him all those years, but they still feel that way. And when they see Him, they still believe that about Him. They don't know. He might have repented. He might be absolutely full of Holy Ghost. He might be leading people to the Lord. And you're still believing what you remember. So watch. The whole time you think you won because you cut Him out of your life, but the whole time He's been a major factor and influence in who you are. He might as well sign his name at the bottom of your selfie. That's why unforgiveness is so wretched. Because it keeps every offense alive. But forgiveness renders it as if it never happened. We say, well, I ain't enabling people. So is God an enabler because he forgave you? Or did he empower you to live different? Did he see you for more than what you did? And does he believe higher than your actions? See, love believes the best and thinks no evil. Isn't it a paradox? The Bible says to avoid the appearance of evil. Well, if it's not evil and just the appearance, why do we have to avoid it? Because people will stumble. Why would people stumble? Because they think evil. But I didn't mean no evil. Yeah, but there's an appearance there. A guy and a girl that aren't married shouldn't be hanging out in the same house and sleeping in other rooms and say, look, we ain't doing nothing. We're just friends. And it just blesses her. But, but, but everybody around thinking evil and you say well then if that's what they think that's what the word says don't you cause your brother to stumble and and avoid the appearance of evil but the tragedy of that scripture is God writes that scripture because he knows we're not perfected in love and people think evil the only reason you'll think evil is because you're not perfected in love 
I'm looking for a, a girl backslid and she felt she, she left one of our homes. She was doing so good. And she got back on the streets. Broke my heart. I was in a service like this. When the elders got my attention, he said, so-and-so's missing. I said, I turned off my mic. I said, she's missing? Yeah, she's back on the street. I said, no, it broke my heart. I started to cry. I took off my mic, handed it to him and said, finish. And I took off in my truck because I knew she loved me. I knew she knew I loved her. And I'm looking for, I went in a crack house. It's amazing how you can go in a crack house and you know where they are, but they're there. So I went to another one. I couldn't find her. I'm sitting outside of one that I thought was a crack house. And this girl comes and she peeks in my window and she says, hey, honey, what are you doing in this part of town? And I, I, don't mess with me. I'm emotional. I'm trying to find this girl. I grabbed her by the wrist so quick. And I said, the question is, honey, what are you doing in this part? I'm bawling. I said, because if you had any idea who you were, you wouldn't be leaning in my truck for the reason you are. You are so much more. Well, that shocked the bleep out of her. <laughs> and she went, who in the blank are you? These girls are packing. They got knives. It was the Lord. I had her wrist like bam and I didn't let it go. She's trying to get away from me. She says, Woody, the blank are you doing? Who in the blank are you? I said, you're still asking the wrong question. I said, who are you? You don't know who you are, but I know who you are. I never met you. You don't know me. I said, oh, I know you. And I quoted scripture that reveals her destiny. She finally calmed down. I said, I'm going to let you go, but don't you run. I need your help. Why should I help you? I said, I need your help. Don't you run, please. I let her hand go and she just stood there. I said the girl's name. They know each other. Why should I? Why should I show you where she is? I said, because I love her. Not a domestic love. Not like a man loves a woman. I said, in the love of God, the same love I have for you when I look in your eyes. Girl, you're so much more than what you're... And I'm ministering to this girl. She's undone. She doesn't have any other response than say, I'll help you find her. I know where she is. She jumped in my truck and we took off. We found her. I took her to a dark alley. She wanted me to drop her off in the dark alley because she didn't want the two dealers or the girl to know she ratted her out. That's the life she's living. I'm not afraid of that alley. I took her in that dark alley. She fell on me like my own daughter, sobbed and cried as I prayed for her. And she never had a pickup like that in her life. In the car, she freaked out. It was like a manifestation. She was flailing at the air when I cried and I said, I need to pray for you. She said, why do you care so much about me? She was pressed against my truck going, why do you care so much about me? Why? She's freaking out because she's never been loved in her whole life. She's only been used for what she can give and what people can get from her. She's been a sexual object her whole life and she's never been loved especially by a man. And the Holy Ghost was breaking through. But here's my point. If one Christian person would have saw her get in my truck and drive away, guess what would have happened? No, you be real with me. This is real. Oh my gosh, Pastor Dan. And I thought he was the real deal. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did what I just saw. Now you're calling four other people crying saying, look, I'm just telling you so we can pray. By morning, I'm a hypocrite. I'm sleeping around. And nobody even talked to me, right? That's what happens. I didn't even think about what I did till the morning I woke up and realized I put a prostitute in my truck and drove away and I went, <laughs> Why? Because love empowered me to do it and if I'd have thought about it, I wouldn't have did it. 
But avoid the appearance of evil. Why? Because people will think evil. And I actually know, and I'm, not, I, I, I'm sad about this, and I'm not being judgmental. I've been around. I've seen these things unfold. I know very few people that would have saw that happen and not saw it wrong. If I got to know Joseph and saw that happen, and I saw Joseph do that, my first impression, especially if I'm tempted to think he might have been doing what it looked like, is I got to get to Joseph. I got to ask him head on and get out of the horse's mouth what was happening when I saw her get in your car. What was going on? Because I saw it. I wouldn't call you and pray for him. And if he looks at me and says, dude, I was finding so and so. Oh my gosh, she got in, took me out of powerful time prayer. Bam. What would have been amazing if somebody'd see that happen and go, oh my gosh, that girl has no idea what she's doing. She just got in, she just got in Pastor Dan's car. I hope she's ready. Because that man ain't playing. See, watch. No, I'm being... Can you see how aggressive I am this morning? I don't even know why. I'm sorry. But that girl is zero temptation to me. Zero. Because you say, well, nobody would know. You would know. And it would wreck your conscience. And every time you look in the mirror, you'd see that. And you wouldn't be receiving the love of God. You'd have no relationship with God. But the best you could do is tend church and meet Him at a distance. And that's called deception. Boy, I'm intense. No, this thing is real. She's zero temptation to me. She could tell me it's freebie night. Zero temptation. Why? Filled with the Spirit of God and I have love for her. Not lust for her. I know who she is. She's lost. She has no clue or she wouldn't be selling her body to stay high. My girl, the girl I found is in an alleyway. It's so sad. Two dealers stand and they're dealing out of their pockets on the city street in the wide open and it's happening. Don't think they ain't got guns and they ain't packing. They're dealing right out of their pocket. You can see them exchanging in the wide open. I pull my truck right between them. This don't even happen. Like you can't do this and get away with it. They're right there dealing. She's in the alleyway. I see her silhouette and it breaks my heart. I'm crying. She's so demeaned. She's pressed so low. And I pulled in. And I looked at her. And she saw my face and just started crying. And I wound out my window. I said, girl, come on. Get in my truck. Come with me. She said, I said, honey. She said, you shouldn't be down here. I said, no, no. You got that way backwards. <laughs> get in my truck. Come on. I love you so much. Get in my truck. Those guys acted like I'm not even sure they saw me. In a full-size truck sitting there. I don't even know if they saw me because they never even acknowledged that I was sitting there. That's not normal. They'd lean over, what you got with the girl, man? What's going on? Would you fall in love with a prostitute? What's up, dude? Got their finger in their pocket. Look, just move on. They didn't even acknowledge that I was sitting there. I said, you either come in the truck or I'm just going to come in there because I need to talk to you. You come in. She said, she got in. She said, you are not supposed to be down here. You shouldn't be down I said, excuse me, girl. And I'm bawling. She never did come with me. You told me she's not ready. I know you won't understand this, but I'm not ready. Holy Spirit will give you some amazing stuff. I said, what do you mean you're not ready? She said, well, I'm just lonely. I said, lonely? Let me tell you lonely. You're going to give a sexual favor to a man that you don't even know, who could care less about you if you were found dead in an alley tomorrow naked. That's lonely. Now come with me. She got out of my car and ran down the street crying. I just sat there and bawled. I saw her a year later, somebody gave me a tip that she was in a house and I ran and I knocked on the door. 
A man answers in boxers. The house smells like food. He said, what's up, ma'am? I said, I'm looking for so-and-so. Well, what's that have to do with me and why, why you need her? I said, I, listen, I'm a pastor, man. I usually don't pull that card, but I'm just telling you. I care about her. I want to know in my heart she's okay. I haven't seen her for a year. And I heard she was here. It's cool, man. You can come in. She's in here. I said, good. Turned the corner. Naked girl laying on the couch, passed out. He's using her. Naked girl. I turned the corner. There's my girl sitting. As soon as she sees me, what's she do? Why? Because she's living in torment and turmoil and conviction. And when she sees my face, guess what it represents to her? I'm as close as she feels like she can get because she's so unworthy in her mind. And the fact that I'm there to see her wrecks her. She's just bawling. I held her. I said, every time you see my face, you cry. Do you see what you're really crying out for? You know why you cry. I told her. She said, well, I just love you. I know you love me. I said, no, no. You know he loves you in me. And I'd tell her, if I wasn't saved, I wouldn't even have a good impression of you. But because I'm saved, I know the truth about you. So I'm there. See, this stuff is real. I live this stuff. And I'm holding her. She won't come with me. The next time I saw her was a year later dying of HIV in a hospital bed in a coma. And her daughter called me crying. See, you want to sow into people. It looks like we're losing when she don't come. But you have to sow seed. You, you have to love people. She said her daughter called me. She said, Mom's dying. I said, what? She said, she's in the hospital, HIV. And she's in a coma. She can't talk anymore. But before she went in the coma, she kept whispering and whispering. But I couldn't hear her. She was talking so soft. She said, I said, Mom, build up your strength. I can't understand you. I'm going to put my ear right to your mouth. And you tell me what you're saying when I tell you okay. Just get quiet. Get calm, Mom. She put her ear down. She said, okay, Mom, what is it? She said, please get Pastor Dan. Why? In her heart, she's crying out for God. Because she knows she's lived a lie her whole life. It's not that she doesn't believe in Him. She just believes so bad about herself. See, every addictive behavior is a low and crushed esteem. It's people that don't see their value. So I run in there. Of course, I want her to wake up. I pray. But I talk to her. The nurse said, I don't think she can hear you. I said, I'll never believe that. And I talked to her. And I told her, God's merciful. Cry out to Him. Pray with me. Ask for mercy. He's so loving. I'm praying with her. 20 minutes after I left, she died. Why did I tell you that whole story? It's just called loving people. In that day, you want to be a sheep. And you want to have loved the least of these. You don't want to have been in a conversation and say, Oh, yeah, her. Boy, she'll never get it right. She is such addicted. I, and she sells herself. It's crazy. Yeah, I'll pray for her. And that's messed up. If I want you to see how much this word is used. The word endure is used so much in your Bible. Why would the word endure be used so much if we weren't going to be challenged? Many are the afflictions of the... But the Lord delivers them out of them all. I did a home group years ago and I got a revelation. I spent all afternoon with the Lord crying and praying and seeking and it wasn't even fair to my home group because it was a word for me and I shared it with my home group. It wasn't even fair to them. That my home was packed that night. It was probably the biggest crowd we ever had. And I don't think the Lord, I was just overwhelmed with the Lord. And I shared the revelation that he, that he was giving me. Now, it's not wrong to share things like that, but they weren't ready for it. it I didn't ease into it. I just came out a, like a madman with it. But I, I, I got this revelation in my heart. And who knows, who would believe I love my wife? Who believes I love my children? 
Okay. So I'm preaching and my, my home group's filled. Words of knowledge are happening every week. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. We're seeing healings in our home. It's fun. We're blessing people. Presence of the Lord was very relevant. People were packing into our house every weekend. So they're all coming for another hoedown. And wow, this is fun going to their house. And, and they get me. I'm a madman. I, I can't walk around. There's no room. I'm kneeling in the middle of the living room. Just pivoting on my knees. Looking at the people in all my rooms. And up my stairs. And I'm, I'm talking about what it means to live in Christ and the purpose and goal of it and what it means to run to the end, to finish your race. And I looked at my wife and I said, do you see that young lady over there? That's my wife. And I said, she's the mother of my children and I love her. And she's like, you know, and I say, but you take her from me. That's what I said. And you stripped them two children from my life. And you burned down this house. And I had my shirt clutched when I was preaching. It was such an effect. I didn't even try it. It was a polo shirt and the buttons broke. I said, and you take this shirt off my back. And the buttons flew. It was crazy. I said, you can't touch me now. Because now I understand why I'm here. And I'm going to finish the race doesn't mean I don't care if I lose my wife and kids, guys. It means nothing can change the truth of why I'm here and I'm no less anointed, have no less purpose, and I have to taxi through this with the higher revelation that I'm broken. Everybody's looking at me like, because I said, you can't stop me now. And everybody's looking at me like, oh, I don't think we came for this sermon, brother. <laughs> why? Be honest with me. Because most people are Christians for the well-being and protection of that list. And it makes you so vulnerable because if anything gets out of place on that list, you're a wreck. Because your whole faith is wrapped around the well-being of that list. Ain't that so? And we're all fine. And we haven't been through tragedy. I wasn't asking for tragedy. I wouldn't say, hey, go ahead and take my wife. I wasn't being silly. I was making a point that there's a higher truth. What's it mean to seek ye first? The kingdom of God. I've met some crazy stories along the way. I've met a lot of people and I've run into some amazing, amazing people. If you ever got around persecuted people, the stories are humbling and life-changing. You don't maybe know this happens, but in the earth, there's places where people are dying because they're believers. There's places where they take him on the beach and tell the husband to renounce Christ and tell his family to renounce this foolishness. And the husband stands strong, looks at his wife and kids and says, don't fear and don't bow. And they'll put him in a barrel with holes drilled in it and push him into sea so the family can watch their daddy sink and drown. That stuff happens. I met a little girl who was so mad at God and got delivered because she watched her 11 siblings get executed with swords in the jungle and watched both her parents slain and hung by a wire. And on the day she got delivered, she realized she was saying 11 kids died that day, and she realized 12 died because she got broken and hurt and stopped living Christ. And that's what set her free. We think we've had challenges. There's always somebody with a tougher story. It's not about the hell you've been through. It's about the heaven that wants to come inside of you. I got an email from a youth worker who was standing on a beach in Indonesia. And they raided her youth camp. And they corralled all the kids in a circle. 
militant men. Yeah. Bunch of cowards. With machetes. 20 youth workers and 60, 60 kids. Who's here 15? Who's close to 15? Oh, buddy, you're like just about 15, right? You're 14 or 15? But, okay, stand up for me. So they pull that right there. Young man. 14, almost 15. They pull him out of the crowd. You can sit down. Thank you. I just want him to get a visual. They pull him out of the crowd. And they say, renounce this Christ and stop this foolishness and worship Allah. 15 years old. I don't know if there is an Allah. All I know is I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord in Christ. Sounds great. We applaud it. But they stretched out his arm and chopped it off. And let it fall in the sand. This is real stuff. I get the email. Please pray. Please pray. And she described everything that was happening. Falls in the sand. Blood spewing. They're mocking him. Poking him. 15 year old boy. You fool. Where's your God now? He's not protecting you. You see how self-centered the world is? It's all about your well-being. He ain't protecting you. Oh, he's protecting him. With a revelation that's burned in his heart where he'll never compromise. And he has a testimony that will last forever. And you could never get that boy to change his mind now that he did what he did. And you bring him back for 10 minutes, he'd convict us all to the core. And you think I'm intense, he would wipe us out. And they mocked him. And they said, why do you have a chance to deny this? This Jesus and worship Allah. With an arm laying in the sand. I don't know if there is an Allah. All I know is I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord in Christ. Pulled out his other arm and chopped it right off. He's standing there with no arms. They're both laying in the sand. He's bleeding to death. He falls on his knees. He's trembling. He's gasping for breath. He's dying. And one of the men comes over with the tip of the machete and goes like this and everything in him falls into the sand. And we throw a fit if we get laid off. We throw a fit if somebody pulls out in front of our car. I'm just being real. We better get sober. What would possess this young kid? Because he realizes at age 15 to love not your own life unto death because this is just a dressing room for eternity and we are just passing through. And he ain't going to compromise the thing his heart has come to know. He fell dead. Pandemonium broke out. This is what people say in this country. See, that's what makes me so mad about God. A little 15-year-old boy, innocent kid, just trying to live the gospel at a youth camp. Why can't God step in and protect him? Why would he let something that brutal happen to a 15-year-old? See, I'm just so mad. That's what I hate about God. See, God just makes me mad. I'm just... Come on. You ain't getting that 15-year-old boy to change his mind now. Guess what happened? Pandemonium broke out. The boy's little brother was there. Little brother was there. Watched the whole thing. When his insides fell out, everybody's already in trauma. His insides fall out. They just, she said they all started screaming and running everywhere, in every direction. Just freaking out. And she said the men were going, looking as if they couldn't see anyone, as if everyone disappeared. No one else got injured, hurt. She said a whole bunch of children jumped in a bay and swam to the other side. That is absolutely stay out of the water, shark infested. You won't make it to the other side. They all swam to the other side. The little brother... Two people in white came, said, take our hand, you'll be fine. 
And he ended up in a village three seconds later, five miles away. Well, then why didn't he save the little boy? He did. He has an eternal testimony that brings glory to Jesus of a love that's undeniable and a life uncompromised. And a 15-year-old has what some of us that might live 80, 90 years and went to church our whole life never came close to having. 15 years old. And we get mad because God let. Because we think well-being, not surrender. Some of these stories are convicting. It feels better to tell a couple of these stories than read. You okay? Because I'm, I'm going to be done on time. So there's a man in the Burma area. He's a Hindu priest. He has an encounter, a dream, an encounter with Jesus. Changes his heart and his life forever. God comes and reveals himself through the Son to this Hindu priest. This Hindu priest goes into the temple the next day and shares Christ. He doesn't have a Bible. He has a revelation. He shares Christ. I know we're clapping and I'm not being mean to you. Watch. But maybe he holds your applause and watch. The Hindu people were like, what are you doing? You went loco. We don't want Jesus. Who's he? You're deceived. You went crazy. And he wouldn't stop preaching. So they beat him up. I mean, beat him up. And kicked him out of the temple and said, don't you ever come back. You're no longer the Hindu priest, of course. Guess what he did? Every day went into the center of the village and lifted his voice and preached the revelation that he got in the dream. And every day, they beat him up and kicked him out of the village. He wouldn't stop. Every day. Every day. Preached the revelation. And they beat him up. Well, now see, why would God? One day he goes home. His wife's standing there with their child crying. And their little hut is burned to the ground. So they did what they could to try to build it back up. But every day he went back in. Preached. He comes back. He can't find his wife. He can't find his child. It's a true story. It's a friend of mine. I haven't talked to him for a long time. Ended up sending him to Bible college. He can't find his wife. He can't find his child. He's calling for them. He's looking all around. He looks over the bank. And there they are face down in the river. And they're dead. And the milk cows floating in the water. That's intense. So he builds a little plastic shanty at the garbage dump. To stay out of the rain. And he's scrapping through there to find things to eat and stay alive. But every day. He went in and preached the revelation. And beat him up. One year later. These stories are mind boggling. We have tension in our home. And we're overwhelmed. And ready to quit and give up on everybody. <gasps> One year later. A guy came out to the garbage dump. Sat down beside him and said. Can we talk? He said yeah. He said I used to just say you were crazy. Everybody says you're crazy. But I realize you're not crazy. You see something. And what you see is empowering you to take all these beatings and not shut up. What do you know? He said, no man could endure what they've put you through. What do you know? And with passion, after a whole year of persecution and lost everything, he gets a convert. And my evangelist friend meets him and finds out his story and he has this one convert. He sends them both to Bible college. And they paid to have a church built in that area to start a Christian church. Just 
facing persecution, believing they might even burn the church down. Who knows, whatever. But it seemed like that season had passed. And God showed favor and they began to minister Christ from a place. And his convert was his associate. A whole year getting beat up. Wife and child dead. But watch this. Are they dead? That's what we forget. Because we've made this all about us and our well-being. And is a man going to live forever? No, this, this man that converted, is he going to live forever? Because this man didn't let go. Do you see the glory in that? The integrity in that? The character in that? The selflessness in that? Sounds like Jesus. I just painted a couple intense stories. I got a bunch of them. They're intense. And they sober me and they make me like this. I run them through my mind a lot. Because I don't want to find myself complaining. Petty stuff. He said, she said. Well, I feel. Well, that ain't right. Oh my goodness, we sell so cheap. And we've been bought at such a price. And you're not your own. Please don't forget that ever, okay? Not just because I came here impassionately. Don't forget that. We got this race to run. Get in it and run. Never look back and cross the finish line. Yeah? Yeah. There was a lot of scriptures I wanted to show you. It's actually only 10 of. No, it says you run the race with endurance. And you look to the one, right? Who started your faith and the only one that you'll finish your faith through. Keep your eyes on Him. Cast aside this sin, this weight, this sin that so easily seems to ensnare us looking unto the author and the... So the only way I'm going to start is looking unto Him. The only way I'm going to finish is looking unto Him. Who for the joy set... What are we living for? The joy set... See, the Bible says anybody that has that hope purifies himself even as he is pure. So if we don't, then we really don't have that hope. We say we believe it theologically, but we really don't have that hope because it doesn't dictate our life. That's what men will answer for in the end. Are you with me? That's not too hardcore. That's just scripture. That's just staying sober. Looking for the joy set before him, despised the shame and went through the cross. For consider him, I'm at verse 3, for consider him who endured such hostility against himself. Least you be weary and discouraged in your soul. What's he saying? Discouragement is self-centered and it's not even scriptural that a Christian can live without discouragement. And the only way you're going to do it is to consider him. Not consider one another. See, I'm concerned we follow each other. We don't follow him. And our human experience has trumped the grace of God that changes our lives. We say, well, yeah, yeah, but everybody has their moments, brother. No, that's probably why you have yours because you believe that. And then there's no conviction for change because that's who we are, you know. Are you with me? So he tells us to endure. And as soon as he tells us to endure, he says, consider him who endured. So what he's saying is, look, he had to endure. And you're following him. You're going to have to endure. You're in the world. You're not of the world. There's a persecution. There's a people misread your motives. People, you'll be walking in love and people actually say you hate. 
It's just crazy. So, so we're going to live this life. We're going we're to walk with endurance. Uh, we're right here, uh, Hebrews 10. We're right here, Hebrews 10. We might as well be right here. Watch this. Oh my goodness. Verse 32, but, but recall the formal days, former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured such great struggle with sufferings. Partly why you were made a spectacle of by reproaches and tribulations, people mocking, right, persecuting. And partly why you became companions of those who were treated the same. For you had compassion even on me in my change and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your own goods. Knowing you, knowing you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Do you hear that their motive is backed by an understanding? You're destroyed for the lack of, and yet we grew up here and hey, what you don't know won't hurt you. The language you grew up with isn't the Bible. What you don't know is destroying you. So there's an understanding behind their motive. So watch this. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. It has great reward. Uh-oh, watch this. For you have need of endurance. So that after the will of God is fulfilled, you can receive the promise. What's he saying? You will never walk out why you're here if you don't endure. It's imperative, it's necessary, and you're going to have to. Or you'll never fulfill what He paid for. You have need of endurance. Now watch. So are we on the earth to get blessed? Or are we on the earth to do His will? You have need of endurance so that after the will of God is done. So that should be our highest priority. The will of God for my life. To walk in the light. To walk in love. To show mercy. To make peace. Yeah? And you have need of endurance. Uh, this is amazing. I get in all these scriptures in. Yay. No, I'm happy about that. I really am. Uh, Timothy, look at look at uh, look at Second Timothy, chapter two, quick. I just want you to see how many places this is in the Bible. I mean, I could have read Hebrews ten. That's enough. Like you have need of endurance, so that after the will of God is done, you receive the reward. Like you're never going to live the will of God if you don't endure. That means you'll never finish the race. Watch this. You therefore, my son, be strong in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I'm in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And the things that you heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In other words, keep this thing alive. Keep this thing multiplied. Keep investing these truths into others so they can keep living these truths and multiplying these truths in others so this truth goes on. Right? Okay. Now watch. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And no one entangled in warfare or engaged in warfare ever again entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. He says, and, and also if anyone competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of his crops. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in these things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David who was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul's amazing. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. 
Even to the point of chains. But our word. This word of God is not chained. Therefore. Watch. What did he just tell Timothy? Endure hardship. What did he tell him? No one engaged in war. Ever again entangles himself in the affairs of life. You keep trucking boy. And now he's saying. Why is he telling him to endure? Because he endures. He said therefore I endure all things. You know Paul's life. Come on, some of us today think, Paul, man, maybe you ought to get more faith, get your circumstances to change, buddy. Page of perils. A whole page of perils. Beaten, whipped. He said, none of these things are moving me. It's a brief moment, light affliction, when you compare it to the eternal weight of His glory when He comes. It's Paul. Yeah, that's a hair raiser. Watch this. Therefore I endure all things. You think he'd be spiritual and say for the sake of Christ. But watch what he says. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect. Why? So his life is a living example and epistle. In everything he's writing about. So people can follow him as he follows Christ. And this truth can stay alive on the earth. Isn't that something? Come on. This is an amazing honor that we have. That 15 year old boy I told you about. is a pretty gruesome story. But what an honor. That 15 year old boy, he has a legacy before God that gives glory to God of an uncompromised, unwavering life at age 15 that can never be taken. That'll speak on behalf of the king for the rest of time. <laughs> and if we're not careful, we have a theology that gets mad at God for letting it happen instead of understanding what allowed it to happen. That there was a boy that was for real surrendered and loved not his own life even unto death what's it say the accuser of the brethren accuses them day and night before their God what's he saying you ain't for real you ain't surrendered you don't really love God I'll prove it he pushes a few people buttons to get you to react and he says ah let them wave their flags they sure aren't surrendered let them sing all night worship who cares they don't love when you squeeze an orange, you expect orange juice. And if you got apple juice, it would be weird. Why isn't it weird when you squeeze a Christian and get everything but Christ? Boy, that should be weird. And wonder if the enemies learned that if I squeeze them, I'll find out what they see, understand, and don't understand. And I'll find out what makes them tick. So this is intense this morning. It's a call to surrender. It's a call to say, hey, let's stay sober. Let's stay in this race. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel so you get updates on the latest discussions and topics. Check us out on our social media pages as well. We're on Facebook at Holy Spirit Living. Our website is www.holyspiritliving.org. You can find all the information if you want to sponsor or become a partner to this ministry. We encourage you to look for the gold in others today. Be blessed, but better yet, be a blessing.